be an action uh, being made. And sometimes that action can say, I don't want to buy because I'm too ABC. Just be real with the whole process with yourself and just re- remind yourself why you're buying um, and, and then make a decision. But to get information, yes. information and then get that information, put it under your pillow and sleep on it for the next two, three months, it's not going to do you any good. So, you know, we all sit and talk about our clients behind their backs, mostly nice things. Um, It all comes with the best of intention, but sometimes we kind of pick on, there's some common traits that that pop up every now and then. And it's the common traits because, you know, we're seeing hundreds of different clients and some of them are basically the ideal investor where they spend the right amount of research, time and effort, but then they've got enough drive and tenacity to actually act. And then there's these two other personas that, you know, I think inherently in the office we have them, but then also our clients reflect them where you've got what the analyst, which just sits and does all the work and research, spins around in circles and gives himself a headache, but doesn't really do any, doesn't take any action. And then we've got the activator. So the person takes all the action in the world, doesn't do enough homework and tends to be a bit of a gambler. And I can certainly resonate being a bit of an activator and my, you know, Charlotte's probably a bit more of an analyst. How do you guys feel about our clients that sit in either side of those two quadrants? Sam, go. Take the floor. Now, now you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got I've got some oh, yeah, they some some clients are probably can do your head in a little bit, but then again, they're probably they're they're probably just being on the more safer and precaution, like to, to taking their own precaution, which is good. We always we always encourage to do your own uh, research. But I think that you can fall into the trap of doing almost not not too much research, but you you find yourself in the tumble dryer of information where you just you end up doing nothing. Like you just Alex. don't end up paralysis. Yeah, like, and then they're always the ones to say, "Oh, I don't know, I missed it, or it's my time's over," and then they'll end up never doing anything in in life anyway, you know. But I'm sure Sam has some um has some feelings on on overanalyzing personas. I feel like I always attract those. They, <laughs> Was they, always, they always come to me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's the vibe that I give off or the manifestation that I'm that I'm sending out to the world. But those analytical, um, what do we call them, Dom? Analysts? Analysts? Headaches? Headaches. <laughs> the major headaches. What I really like about them, let's start off what I what I really like about them is that there is that they're keen. There is some kind of drive in them that they want to do something. And uh, I, I mean, you know, that gets discovered straight away when I meet them. And I, um, and I feel though that's, I guess, the common ground, why they want to purchase. But then there's the whole lot of, the whole lot of emotional baggage that just comes along with purchasing and we 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 become this you know this um i don't know what you like to call it but it just becomes a very big constant therapy session about you know why they're buying and why they need to buy and etc etc and i'm all about trying to guide clients into um you know investing into property but then it gets to a point whereby 
you know, you if you're if you're if you're nervous, I understand, but you know, it also takes a bit of a leap of faith, and you gotta, you know, and, and you gotta take it takes a bit of courage also to to, to flick that switch and and you know and, mm. and you know, action something. So, <clears throat> so in other words, if you're listening and you're one of those, stay away from me, please. <laughs> no, <I'm joking>. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it's funny to say that. I I think the reason why look, we we catch a lot of these analysts. You know, they come to us because they want information. And then I think the reason why, Sam, you've got so many oh, analysts, why you've got such a big headache is because you're so giving, right? You give a lot of your time. You give a lot of your energy. You actually deeply care about the people that you're working with. And you feed that analytical side because you you are a bit of an analyst yourself. You do a lot of homework. You're a developer. And being a developer has meant that you've got to research the market thoroughly you've got to know who your 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 different um your planning consultants are your architects who what your geotechnical report's going to be so you are a bit of an analyst and i feel like that you you the people gravitate towards you um you know i live with an analyst and it can be a huge headache they're very very um in their own head they look at every single thing and by nature they're very distrusting they don't, it's very hard to gain, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but it's very hard to gain the trust of an analyst because they're so independent, they're so, so strong-willed that they're very set in their ways and it takes a very long, slow and deliberate time before you feel like you've connected and you've got enough of a tight bond that they will actually trust you. Like I, I've been with Charlotte for seven years and still you know, we, we battle and I have to show her spreadsheets and reams of information before we go and buy a property and, fuck, I do this for a living, man. You think you trust me when getting married, you know? doesn't trust me. Do you, so it takes time. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. Do you think they – do you think that – well, I reckon – so the internet, I think you can find any answer that you want to, what you want to read, right? So they're 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 going to use the internet or they're going to use their own sort of research. I think that they're going to find. I've sort of found out this my own way. You're going to find the answer you're looking for, no matter what. Like whether whether or not you want to you want to tell us something's going down or up, or if you want to look at if it's going to be sunny tomorrow, if it's going to rain, there's going to be an answer for you to find the right like to 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 agree with your with your own head. So I think it comes to a point where how how much do you trust do you read online versus or or your own research versus the the level of you've got to just make a decision like where where do you, where do you think it falls in the line is it 50-50 do you do you over do you over compensate on the internet or you know doing your own research and then not making a decision or where do you fall like how much how much is enough i love that dr google right yeah i love that whatever you look for you're going to find so if you're looking for problems you're going to find problems and there's always a problem with every single deal. Nothing is perfect. Mm. Or go speak to your friends or your families um, and, you know, ask Eddie the expert of what he thinks. He probably doesn't own any property himself, but he'll tell you not to buy it anyway. So um, that, that, there's that one fun aspect. But the way I see it is do your due diligence. You have to. Um, and don't take everything uh, for gospel, but at the same time, you know, um, just know that sometimes when information information is given to you, it's derived from some kind of factual source. So um, you can't mm. just make things up as you go. So if this and analysts, these analysts that deal with me, 
sometimes I feel when I give them information, they, they want to go and they want to topple or they want to go, uh, they want to get more information and then they want to make sure that my information is correct and then their information gets debunked because they've got more in And I'm just like, you're never going to buy um, because the proof's in the pudding, you know. You're, you're in a market mm. you buy, where things are running, things are being sold, um, and I just feel at the same time they're just procrastinate, procrastinators by, uh, by nature. And um, to me, it, it just comes down to sometimes – you're either really nervous um, and you like to waste your own time and my time with you. So, 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 so yeah, like I'm all about due diligence. Um, but there comes to a point where you, you really need to really, you know, like there has to be an action uh, being made. And sometimes that action can say, I don't want to buy because I'm too ABC. Just be real with the whole process with yourself and just re- remind yourself why you're buying um, and, and then make a decision. But to get information, yes. information, and then get that information put under your pillow and sleep on it for the next two, three months, it's not going to do you any good. That's a really important point. It's You've got to make a decision because I feel like people, analysts, will will fall into old habits and just keep on analyzing because they don't want to act and they want to delay the decision as long as possible. And that's a bad habit because you can extrapolate that over everything. Yeah. You know, Mm. if you want something, you've got to call it and either go for it or not. Don't just keep on spinning and and causing yourself turmoil because you just keep on doing the same thing you've always done, which is just fucking analyzing everything. Mm. But then on the on the you flip the coin and who's <laughs> and then we deal with a uh, a whole different type of person, don't we? A gambler. Yeah, the roulette table spinner. Yeah, look, I I can resonate with an activator or with a gambler because my first impulse is to jump in and act. I hate I hate sitting still. I hate feeling like the fear of missing out turns my stomach in knots. I feel like I'm missing out on everything all the time. If I see a property going for sale, even if I can't afford, I'm like, that's such a good building. I can't believe I missed out. You know, like the the idea of having an idea, I get energized by wanting to run at it. But the problem is I've got to fight my baser impulses because unless you do your research, you're gonna you're gonna make a severe mistake. You're gonna miss, you're gonna miss uh, some of the the devil is in the details. And as an activator, you tend to see the bright side of things and then you don't, you, you kind of put the blinders on for stuff that you don't want to know. You know what I mean? Like something could be telling you, hey, this is a wrong decision, but you'll kind of block it out because you want to get it done. It's kind of that pig-headed running at it. Um, what advice have you guys got for that type of person, activator, gambler kind of personality? Stop being a big fat tease. That's my advice. Stop teasing yourself by trying to impulse, take a step back, you know, you know, there's information that's given to you, have a good read of it, see where that sits with you in terms from, you know, your position financially um, and, and see where that sits in terms from a strategy point of view in your portfolio um, and then act. But I really like these kind of clients because, again, mm. they are the, the ego ones, but I feel like they take one step forward very quickly and then they'll take two, three steps backwards because they've probably scared themselves out. Um, whereas the opposite of what we were talking about before, they, they, they probably take 
10 step backwards, but maybe that one step forward is the actual decision step. So, um, yeah, so I think my advice is, is you know, it, it's a process, you know, and purchasing, I guess, your first or your fifth is a journey in itself and take your time in doing it. Um, but just also know that <laughs> impulse, look, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm completely empathetic with with impulse buying i've done some i've done some good impulse buys myself that have rewarded me and and i've also paid the price for so um just yeah just you know take a breather i guess when 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 you're Mm. looking at it in front of you what happened there if i can dig a little deeper i know that you you've you've where where did you make a mistake and kind of Give us an idea of what kind of mistakes can happen if you are that gambler, impulsive type, or you want to dive into something. What's some kind of stuff that you've been impacted by? Yeah, sure. Just very quickly, I I, I did a um a little uh, cosmetic renovation out in Preston in Melbourne, um, and it was this really fifty uh, year old Californian um, home, and I thought to myself, I'll go to the auction if I buy it cheap. I did a little estimate. I went in there only a couple of times. I get great cosmetic Renault, very rentable. Probably can flip it, make my money that I've probably probably tripled my money um, within six months. Um, standard, you know, DIY issues happened. I went in the property, and um, I guess I should have uh, I should have did a bit more due diligence. That there was a lot of um, there's a lot of structural issues in the property itself. So when I was in the middle of, of this mini renovation, um, budget just got blown out and because there was one issue after the other. So when I sold it, I actually made um, a, third of, a third of what I projected to make and I told myself if I just took a little bit more of, you know, some, some really good advice around me, probably took an engineer through, et cetera, et cetera, I probably could have, um, you know, I could have, I could have probably foresaw this and, and made a, a bit more of a wise, informed decision. So that was just one example of me being this roulette gambler um, mm. that that didn't pay off so well. Um, so did you survive though, Sam? Oh yeah. Look, I <laughs> I got rid of the problem. That's for sure. But yeah, definitely, um, I I survived. You know what I mean? Is like, it, does it does it come to a point where it's like? You just had, I don't know, not, not like the old you had a crack story, but like, you know, if you're not, if it, if, if the risk, I'm not talking putting putting millions and millions of your family dollars on the line and, and whatever yeah. to, to make the risk, but your your risk, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a big W, but to go back on the point before we made, you still had a, like, you still had the go at it. You yeah. learned probably more was, lessons from. But it was novice, it was, it was novice amateur, you know, purchasing. So, mm. um, it was definitely impulse. Went to the auction, saw it only twice. Thought I could do it. So yeah, just just some some honest blunders that I've that, that I've had in my life. So, mm. um, but but uh, you could just learn from that and, and and probably find the balance into you know um, wanting to make you know a quick buck to to to, to probably doing um, you know some homework on the property. Um, yeah. Oh, look, I can empathize. I did a, a, a quick cosmetic renovation and when I went into the bathroom, we pulled the, the, the floor was a bit weird and we pulled it up and then it, it, it meshed. It was not waterproofed at all. So the whole floor fell out 
and what was supposed to be, you know, a $5,000 quick little $10,000 thing was a mess. Yeah. It was a mess. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was hazard. You know, someone could have fallen through the floor. It was an absolute mess. And even to this day, we're still working on some bits and pieces. So yeah. Yeah, doing slowing down, doing your due diligence. I slow, certainly can empathise there. How about yeah. you, Louis? What, what what are your experiences with this kind of gambler mentality, personality? What's some of the biggest issues that you come across or notice with this type of person, or something they can learn about it? I, I will. There's we, we talk about the there's the gambler personality that we um, that we just spoke about, but I reckon there's also the what comes to their their own probably detriment is I would probably in my experience ego. It's like you can't they they can't trust the information being given to them because not they're always right. They may be right. They may have made a you know one or two right calls before, but in saying that, I think it comes to a point where they've got to actually trust in the information being given to them. Like maybe there's other information being given to them by someone else that has a bit more not experienced, but have done the research or it's in their professional sort of line of work. Whereas it's come to their, uh, I wouldn't say their loss, but it's come to their, uh, to the point where they've gone, all right, well, I'm right. It's my way or the highway. So I think that instead of trusting information too much, as we were talking about before the analyzer, it's almost just, just trust the right amount, uh, right amount of information, just a little bit to make a decision. You know, like racing decisions, fine. You can you can make a decision to buy anything in, in ten seconds if you've got all the information there, right? And there's no there's no time frame. Wait two weeks to buy, or wait two weeks to think about it. Sit on it overnight. Like you, if you've got the information there and you can pull the trigger on something, go for it, do it. But what I'm saying is that when you're giving the information, don't maybe don't block it out right away. So don't act on impulse, or don't just trust that you know. Um you, you do do the do the homework. Yeah, like I have people close to me that if you told them that the sky was blue, they would tell you it was red, right? They just it's just like it's just it's just them. It's just their personality. Like you, they, they, I don't know if it's an argumentative thing or if it's a if it's an I'm right thing my way the highway. But these these are the people that I always come across that will impulsively buy on their decision and you know most of, and then they'll tell you that you know there'll be fifty percent of the time where they'll they'll give you the thumb up and be like. You know, it worked. But then there's the other times where you don't want to say you're right, but the if you trusted what I said a little bit, maybe a little bit more, or trusted what someone else said a little bit more, you might have come to a better decision. I feel like you're skirting into the armchair expert. That's that's that other persona where we work with, with clients that, yeah, that know it all. Yeah, I look, I, 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 I know yeah, I get hammered by it because I'm the out of you two. I'm the youngest, so and by by not that far, but by a fair margin, right? <laughs> so I get give. I get. I, I have to. I have to make sure that everything I say or everything that I'm gonna tell them, whether it's on an email or it's over the phone or whether or not, but they're putting a big decision in my hands to make, and I'm most of the time, majority of the time, that they're maybe four or five years older than me on average, right? And that's where the armchair expert comes into play. Probably what I get, what some reason what gets attracted to me most because they feel like they can tell, uh, just don't distrust it. I'll, I'll trust someone who's more of age, if that makes sense. And that's what, I don't know. That's where that's what that's what falls into my lap a lot, I think. You catch them because they think that you're a young fellow and they know more than you. But they don't yeah. know that you've, 
you've cut your teeth in one of the hardest parts of, of Sydney's market, one of the most competitive industries, and you've had to work mm. 10 times harder than everybody else around you because you haven't got a beard. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Well, I don't have the um the best tailor made suit going around. So <laughs> yeah, look, I had this when I was sixteen. So people just thought I was thirty. Now it's you know. Well, you shaved before the podcast started, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that was last week, right? And you guys were giving shit about my upper lip or something. <laughs> no lips. So anything else that we want to talk about these personas and people and what's going on and any messages for the ones that are out there? I just... There you go. There you go. <laughs> no, I, I guess the message is, is um, you know, um, everyone's different. Everyone's approach into purchasing or or a, a, in their research way is, is you know, is, is unique to your own way and I guess that's fine. Don't try don't don't try to contact or, or try to speak to someone that's in the field and try to debunk the information that's given to you that's counterproductive to your to your goals to you uh, you know eventually purchasing. I think my advice would be simply put is is have an open mind, understand that the information's there, do your due diligence um, yourself and you know Take that leap of faith. Don't be, don't procrastinate. You've come to this point. You're chatting to someone that's, you know, that that's 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 giving you giving you advice. Take that advice on board, um, and 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 have some courage in 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 getting involved. I guess. Um, and if you if you know yourself, you're a headache. Don't contact us. <laughs> don't don't really. It's it's don't. If you're a procrastinator and you want more information, I understand. But if you if you have no intention of, of doing anything, I, I really suggest um, when you are ready to have serious conversations, you know, contact someone or, you know, in the field. Yeah, you're right. They can go jump on Wealthy Academy and just spend hours in there learning everything about property. Yeah, sign up for free today. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> What about you, Louis? Any 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 odds and sods about the people that you're you're talking to? Any? I think I want to. Um, I dealt with the. I'm dealing with with a few at the moment who are, are speaking to us back and forth and sort of going around, um, you know, around the the circle of you know, uh, going to invest, going to look out and do something. And I think I found what the what maybe what the perfect investor might be to me. And we sort of touched on this before. Like, if you do the if you do the right balance of your own amount of research, your own amount of uh, listening and talking and going back and forth. But my probably biggest thing uh, is just when you feel the time's right, or when you've done it, just pull the trigger to do something about it. And it probably got, probably it's going to go off what Sam said before. Either pull the trigger and don't do it, or pull the trigger and do something, but make a decision and then make it. Make it happen, but don't roll around on it forever. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think once you start making those decisions, it really it tells you what your gut is. I've got this thing where um, this is kind of on the topic, but kind of not, where when I'm deliberating with a friend, we want to go do something or not, uh, or they tell me, hey, Dom, I'm thinking about doing something. I'll say, heads, you're going to do it, tails, you're not. 
and I'll flick the coin. And before I show them, I'm like, you know, what do you want it to be? And that, that, that action of like having to make a decision will tell them their gut will say which way they want to go, whether it's yes or no. And it's kind of like they'll either feel like they're missing out on it or they actually want to go and do it. So it's, mm. it's a little game that we play to sort of figure out well, what, what way do I want to make a decision. Um, nonetheless, I do say that everyone that's out there, you know, obviously go and verify the information that we give you because it's, a lot of work's gone into doing it. Um, but as Louis said, you can spin yourself in circles, disproving or proving. It's, I think, conceptually trying to understand how we came to making the decision. Because if you pick out one little fact in isolation, it can be read one way or another. But if you look at it in its entirety, a picture will come through and that will help you either make the leap of faith or, or say, listen, it's not right for me. Now, Lou, I know that you and I were talking about um, – there was a bit of an article I posted the other day where we're just talking about the difference in prices between um, apartments and houses. Mm. And I, there was, a, there was mm. a graph that we shared around where basically over the past 10 years, you can kind of track, and, and Jenny will put this up on the screen for the people that are watching, but a long story short is you can see how houses run fastest and hardest and then apartments follow them very, very closely. The graphs are basically almost identical. And essentially over the past 10 years, um, the houses have been running further and further away, but now it's at a point where they're 50-something 50, 50 percent, 54% higher than apartments, and we all anticipate that apartments are next to run. Um, what do you guys think? Mm. I think apartments have a... I think there's a, I think the one of the biggest things that holds them back is the stigma. Like, I feel like if you're investing in an apartment, it's like automatically, uh, it's, uh, like what a, you know, what a shit investment, uh, what a good decision that was, you know? But Dom, you, you probably attest to this. I mean, you got in, did you got into the market correctly with an apartment? Is that right? Yeah, I've got a couple of apartments. Yeah, but it was your first. It was your first, your first purchase. It was in. It was an apartment. I don't know. I think that. Yeah. I think that everyone wants to buy the, the the best asset possible. And I'm not saying to to buy something shit and make it and, and because it's just your first one. But I think that the apartment stigma to to the point of this is that it got. I reckon that maybe a factor that people didn't consider was just the 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 aura or the stigma around it is that. Um, uh, <clears throat> Because they're because they're a lesser investment, I think that the the gap was the gap gained distance on each other. But now that now that it's closing, it's like any market when you know when when you see it, when people see a graph and it starts to close, like you know, it gets a little bit more momentum. I think that it is. I don't think that it's ever going to be one or one or either or going to be a better investment than the other. You know, you can get great investments in both asset classes, but I think that the gap will come closer. With the right, I will say as well, just to to be to to reassure my point, with the right investment, though. Um, don't get me wrong. You can invest in you can invest in a pretty shit house, and it's going to go backwards, or you can invest in a really good apartment, it's going to go forwards. But I think I think the gap will 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 uh, lessen as we move probably over the next. I reckon maybe next two years, especially in Melbourne. I think. Definitely. I think traditionally homes always outperform apartments, but what we've seen in the Sydney market and 
other major cities will follow suit is that Sydney's uh, Sydney's how uh, Sydney homes become too expensive, so people resort to purchasing apartments, and the demand then gets heated on on apartments, and prices start to rise. The fact is, is other capital cities is that what you can what you can buy, um, you know, in context of, of of prices worth of apartments, you could probably buy them in homes in other capital cities, but it will eventually get to the point where it is where Sydney is today, and apartments will become very valuable. Although the prices will appreciate, um, you know, strongly over time. So um, the stigma is is that you know land content, land components are, are, are more valuable, and I completely mm-hmm. agree. But um, I assure you, apartments are definitely going to catch up. Um, to become, um, you know, a, a a a priority option to purchase, which in effect means uh, more demand and means more appreciation in price. Yeah, I agree, and it's interesting because I, I think that your right, houses are the ones that grow the fastest and hardest. Land is the best, but um, you shouldn't discount apartment just because you're buying an investment to achieve an outcome. And if the outcome you want is to create equity to then buy another investment and all you can afford is an apartment or um, the, the, the the apartment is what is going to be closest or it's going to have certain advantages from taxes or from, you know, government grant and there's, there's reasons why you should be buying an apartment over or, or you, rather than waiting for the house, I'd say jump into the apartment. Use it for the reason that you're going to get equity, you're going to get your depreciation, you're going to get your cash flow, and you can buy your next asset after that. It may be a house is your second, third, or fourth investment. So, so long as it gets you to that outcome, that's what's important, I think. Yeah, I agree. Population growth, I reckon, is countering supply is probably, I mean, the easiest um, metric to see value go up in, I think, the apartment space. If, If we keep if people keep coming to the country or people coming to the city and they're going to live somewhere like, you know, it's, you look what happens in, as what, as what Sam said, into other capital cities, like your you know, population is a big thing, but London's New York's everything. It's, there's no more space. And, and, and as we know, yeah, I guess, eh? no, no, no. And don't be a narrow minded investor. Don't, don't be so, um, don't be so, spoiled in the fact that you need to buy a home first to to gain equity to get that second or third you know the options are out there there are actually good options good dwellings to purchase for you to get closer to say your australian dream with um you know an unencumbered home in in 10 15 20 years people think that the only way to go buy it is to buy and pay off but there are av- other avenues to expedite that process of you getting to where you want to be in terms from a property um, ownership standpoint. So um, apartments are not to be looked down upon. I think that's what I'm trying to say. I agree. There's, there's developers now, we, they buy, they build to rent. They're buying chunks of apartments to get and go rent them out because the yield is there. And if, if ultimately the cash flow scenario is what you want, the yield is stronger in apartments. Hmm. And, you know, I, I really find it funny, particularly in Sydney, where, you know, a lot of our clients are living in an apartment 
they don't want to move into a house. They love their apartment, but they 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 look they frown on apartments. You know, um, we've got some couple clients that are living in the eastern suburbs or the north or whatever. They're living in an apartment because it's close to the shops, it's close to the beach, it's close to the work and lifestyle and amenity. There's things that you get in an apartment that you don't get in a house. You know, I love my apartment in St. Peter's because it was right next door to Newtown. I had a really good quality of life. And to go and buy a house was going to cost me $1.5 million where the apartment was seven fifty. Now, those apartments are worth more than a million and the townhouses are $2 million. So the price growth is still there. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And and like what Louis said, just waiting until population grows, you know, New York City alone is 8 million people. We've got 6 million here in New South Wales. And if you want to compare the sizes, it's, you know, where I don't know how many times larger. So eventually mm. we'll get to that point where things are, are, are getting up and to buy something that's, that's in the air is, is going to be, you know, very expensive. I mean, Sydney's already that, but uh, just in context to other, you know, uh, other main cities around the world, um, mm. it's pretty pricey. What's the word in the street, fellas? We're, 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 we're sort of rambling on apartments. Enough about yeah. that. We know they're going to grow. What's what's happening? What are you guys seeing? What do you what do you want to put out there before we wrap up? If you what are you bought, seeing? If you haven't bought, you're still missing out. And that's the truth. If it you is the truth. Yet, and you're still thinking about it, I assure you you're missing out. Mm. In fact, I've got a message. I know that one of my cousins is probably listening to this, Carlo. He's probably listening to this. He's sitting on a highway, driving one hour to or from somewhere. Um, and he, his wife messaged me the other day saying, hey, Dom, is the market slowing down? Because he saw our last podcast. I'm like, no, it's not slowing down. It's getting worse. And I know so many families like him that are looking and holding and waiting to go buy something at an auction. Every time they go, the price is, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars more. And it reminds me of your client, Sam, who was kept on going to different auctions. And you said, what are you doing? Go and buy a fixed price asset, not something that's going to go compete at auction yeah. and some crazy people with more money just going to keep on outperforming. So go and buy a fixed price asset. So Carlo, Megan, buy a fixed <laughs> Go buy something that and, and will that, work. And, and that client, him later. And that client still hasn't bought. How much is the market move? You've been talking to them for, what, six months roughly? Yeah, I would say till around the start of the year, around end of January. It's the same, you lead the horse to the water. You can't make it yeah, drink. No, that's, I, I've said all my thoughts today. I'm done. Me too. You're done? Okay. I'm done. Fellas, it's good catching up as per usual. Um, I, I'm do, I do like this version of The View. Uh, and, and to all <laughs> of our guests that are listening, um, please reach out. Let us know if there's something you want us to talk about. Last week, someone came back with a few different ideas and we're going to be hosting next week. We're going to talk about uh, some major problems and, and, and issues because we talk about all the good stuff and what goes right. Today we spoke a little bit about what's going wrong, but I would like mm. to uncover that in more depth. Um, if there's anything that you guys are seeing or hearing, just let us know and, and, and Sam, Louie, and myself will talk about it. So happy investing to all of you out there. Catch ya. As always. Yeah.